0: you know, the tyranny of the urgent.
1: Welcome to episode 45 of RSVP, the podcast about stationery and so much more. I'm your host, Les, and my co-host today is Lenore. Dee couldn't be with us today. We're talking about journaling and stash management, but first
0: let's talk about what's exciting in our worlds. Lenore, what's happening with you? Well, I'm, I'm writing today with the blackwing four and today's actually the first time i've spent a lot of time with it from you know other than just when i pulled it out of the box Mm. but i I really like it you know people were making a lot of comments about the finish and about various things you know that it looked like the um what's the the five-sided one the 1001
1: oh yeah yeah
0: and, um, which I've still never figured out what we're calling that one. Are we calling it the ten thousand one? one? Are we calling it the one, oh, 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 one? Are we, I don't it think it matters. Settle the name. <laughs> the Ken Ken one. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I really, really like this finish. Just the very, very slight grittiness of it. It's just a little bit tactile. It's not gritty. It's just mm-hmm. interesting. And I think the color of it is really pretty. And a lot of people have commented on this feral. Feral's gorgeous. It's like gunmetal, kind of a little bit purpley, a little bit, I don't know. It's really, really pretty.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, I haven't hack-winged any of these yet, and I'm going to at some point. But, um, you know, as for comparing it to the Ken Ken pencil, actually, I had avoided spoilers on this one when it came out which is, you know, not easy, but thanks to everybody (laughs) for (laughs) making it possible for me to do that. And when I opened the box, I was initially confused for a moment because I, you know, because the, the picture on the front of the box does look very much like the Ken Ken. Mm. What? And I've got the two boxes here in front of me. Like I'm looking at the front of these two boxes right now and they do look very much alike. And that's just because the photograph does not catch the depth of the finish hmm. um so the the ken ken pencil it has this very glossy clear coat yeah over the reddish wood and it's really pretty but the depth you know you really feel like you're looking down into that wood grain and you get a sense of the the transparency of that finish and the four, the finish is very matte. It's very much on the surface. There's no depth to it at all, which I think actually accomplishes the kind of, well, I'm going to say earthy, even though it's Mars, but you know what I mean about the kind of, <laughs> Martian. um, yeah, the Marsy, you know, but that earthy quality of, um, you know, like some stone pigments, uh, some, uh, mineral based pigments yeah. that have that very, um, very strong surface. That's not at all, uh, not at all translucent or transparent. It's very much, um, a matte surface on it. And it's, it's really pretty. And I really like the little flex, especially in the context of the story. Mm. And then it's just the normal soft hex. Whereas the Ken Ken pencil, of course, is that amazing, um, pentagonal, uh, cross section that's, just so nice in the hand if it's you know if it's nice in your hand it's really nice if it feels wrong to you i I get it but it's nice in my hand i really like it so they're you know they're they're really really different in the hand and in use but i can see why you know like i had the the moment of being confused as to yeah that makes sense why they were using the same colorway again and it's not the same colorway but it does photograph somewhat similarly or Mm. you know or photograph and print somewhat similarly so i'm writing with that one i'm writing in my rsvp computer world notebook and i've been really spending a lot of time with the baron fig vanguards lately Mm. (laughs) because um i have uh the vanguard flagship i have several of these going right now for different you know different various projects that i have going in work and in life. And, um, a couple of them, I've made a couple of the, the just standard edition gray one, the non theme edition Mm -hmm. I've set up so that they have two fronts because I'm using them for two related projects. Yep. So, you know, these two faculty learning circles that I'm on, I've got in one notebook, but I've got it so that I flip over, um, and open from a different side of the book for each of them. Oh, cool. Um, which is nice because you know then i don't have to like think about which meeting i'm going to today <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah
0: um and then the other thing that i actually just got started on from Baron fig is you know their um undated little uh i guess 14 week planners yeah. um so i had t- i had talked before in the podcast about that I had bought those thinking they were the Vanguard flagship size, and they're not. They're the, what, Apprentice size? Yep. And I didn't think that was going to work for me, but then I just, you know, here we are in mid-January a couple weeks ago, and I still didn't have a planner going. And I hadn't found what I needed for this year. And so I went ahead and got one of those out, and I actually do really like it now. Like I think it's going to work well for me. The only downside is that when something comes up, You know, when I find out about something that's past the end of that current little notebook, I just Mm -hmm. have to make a note in the back of it to transfer forward. Yeah. But that's okay because it's a good size. And because it's this little pocket notebook size, I can actually, you know, I can actually remember to keep it with me and I can Mm -hmm. take it with me to meetings and then stick it back in my bag. It fits in my pocket of my coat. So I actually do really like it. It took me a little bit of time to set up, but I don't think that the amount of setup time is going to be a stopper for me in the future, especially because it's small enough and feels kind of, for lack of a better word, disposable enough. You know how we've said, you know, this is too nice to use, and you feel like you have to do a good job in it, and so it never seems like the moment is right. I'm like, you know, if I pull this thing up and just put – the first day of each week just so that I can count back to the right number of weeks to throw something in there. That's fine. Like I don't have to do it all at once. So I think it's going to actually turn out to be a good, um, a good fit for me. We'll see. I'll revisit this after, you know, we'll see if I make it all the way through this one and transition Mm -hmm. to the next one. And I'm still happy. Um, but I would have, you know, I, was, I was hoping for something more like the Vanguard size, but I think this is actually going to be better, and I shouldn't have dissed it. I don't think and you of dissed the it. <laughs> Maybe I didn't. <laughs> and then um, I am drinking this Good Earth Sweet and Spicy Tea, which just turned up again on my desk today when I was picking up to make room for my, <laughs> my <laughs> microphone and my podcast stuff. And this is the tea that was in the uh, CW Pencil um, Cabin Fever Pencil Box in December. Mm. So it had kind of disappeared for a little while, and I found mm. it again. And it smells amazing. Mm. And it's still too hot to drink, so I, I, don't, I can't tell you what it tastes like yet, but it smells so good. And then when I pulled out the... Um, I pulled out the the package insert, you know, the list that she puts in the pencil box mm-hmm. to just kind of remind myself what else had been in there because this is what I didn't get to talk about when my computer died and I couldn't be on the show. Yeah. Um, she has this cushy, squishy pencil grip in here. And it's this, like, maybe silicone, really stretchy. It kind of looks like shag carpet, and it slides over the pencil. Hmm. And, uh, you know, she's saying it looks crazy on a pencil, but it's so freaking comfortable, like a shag carpet for your pencils <laughs> or a shag carpet for your fingers. And I hate it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going to send it to somebody, but I, yeah, just so that they can like try it out. Um, it just feels so weird to me and a little bit like creepy and, <laughs> I don't know. I'm all about the texture, right? But yep. uh, yeah, do not love this thing. So that was kind of fun, you know. Like, mm. I'm glad it, I got to try it because I probably wouldn't have bought it. And then I, um, you know, I might have really liked it. But mm. no, it's too weird. Too weird. <laughs> Can't deal. Nope. Oh, man.
1: <laughs> so,
0: what about you? What's exciting? What's fun?
1: So I am, I'm writing with a Jinhao 51A, which is gonna be a good link to our main topic. It is a really inexpensive little fountain pen I got off of eBay for a couple of bucks. And mine is, has a wooden body. And, really? and a stainless steel, brushed stainless steel cap. It's really quite Did a nice. Did you get a picture of this one? Uh, no. I don't okay. think so. Not yet, anyway. But I will be.
0: So, I'm going to clock my keyboard while you're talking. Go ahead.
1: So yeah, so it's got this uh, cute little wooden body, stainless steel cap, and it's, um, it's small. It's a small pen, but I, it's just right for my hands. So anyway, so I'm writing with that in my, you know, Baron Fig, um, train of thought that I've been using forever for show notes. Uh, I keep wondering, what am I, what am I gonna run out of room in this book? But it's just, it's like, (laughs) the pages multiply overnight, or between weeks of recording. It just keeps going and going and going. Uh, I am really, really stoked about the latest issue of Plumbago. Mine yeah. is in the mail. It should be here Monday or Tuesday. I'm really looking forward to digging into that and slapping the sticker onto one of my water bottles. And, uh, yeah, so it looks like it's going to be an awesome episode. No, I keep, I want to call it an episode, but it's not. It's an a issue. issue. <laughs> it Words. Hard. Um, so I think it's going to be an awesome issue. And it just looks, the cover is amazing. It's really pretty. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, Did we talk last episode about my trials and tribulations with the United States Postal Service?
0: Uh, I think you were just getting into it. It's been three weeks because <sighs> we, we, got, we got the weather hammering on us last week. So
1: I sold a bunch of my stash. One of the things that I stole, sold out of my stash was a, a Namisu Nova with a titanium nib from the original Kickstarter and you know it's a hundred plus dollar pen i insured it thank goodness i insured it (laughs) so it immediately like i put it into the mail um priority mail to get to the person and it immediately said like it was delivered so i was like wow that was that was really fast to new york and it turned out that they delivered it across town (laughs) so uh so they literally like drove it across the, my city <laughs> and dropped it off on someone else's porch. Uh so I my postal service was really really great about it. They were like, "Oh yeah, let's look at the tracking. Uh, we'll we'll look at the GPS tracking on it." And they're like, "Oh, it was delivered over here on Cabot Street." And that's not and he's like, "What was the address again?" I was like, "It was New York." And he's like, "Oh, Oh, that's really not New York. I was like, no, no. He's like, well, it looks like you have a legit claim here. Like, we delivered it somewhere else. He's like, I'll ask the carriers to stop by that address and ask if, you know, and look around and see if it's there. And, um, I actually, cause he gave me, I don't think he was supposed to give me the address, but he did. So I got off the bus early, knocked on the door. No one answered. Uh, which is not surprising. It's a, like a college student house, like not, housing unit but like there are a lot of college students that live in there so i'm I, I did that over it was probably you know school break so um it's highly likely like people weren't actually home so right. i've been very tempted to like just knock on the door again and be like hey have you seen my package
0: yeah. um,
1: because it's uh, so like first off the person bought it for themselves as a christmas gift and they spent over a hundred dollars on it and also, it was a really nice pen, and the idea of some college student who doesn't know what they're doing with it. Right. Um, taking that super springy, beautiful titanium nib and probably effing it up royally just, oh, it breaks my heart. Um, not that I'm attached to my things, but I'm totally, like, you know, that was one of the pens that I was, like, looking at, like, do I really want to sell this? One? I'm like, I haven't touched it in over six months. It hasn't been inked in forever. It's time it goes to someone who's going to use it and love the crap out of it. Yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, the idea that someone is just going to F it up is just, it kills me.
0: Right. Or, you know, like, open it up and be like, this is weird, and toss it into a bin at work.
1: Or Yeah, throw it away. Yeah, that that's like, ugh. Or, you know, like, this isn't what I ordered, and then sending it back to the company, and, you know, who knows what it, you know, I don't know. So anyway, so I put in a claim, and the United States Postal Service denied it, like, and said it was delivered as address. They're like, you yeah, know no. what, F it wasn't, I can use, did you not check your GPS system? Um, right. So anyway, I was I was a little worked up and angry about that. <laughs> But have you appealed already? I did. I appealed it. I included other additional information. I had the person who um purchased it from me
0: um write a letter saying,
1: "I did not receive this, so, uh,
0: and you have your receipt that shows the address being yeah, but in New York, and they have their tracking information saying it was delivered in there, bed. yeah, so
1: but. I don't. I think they just deny everything outright and yeah. say, "Yeah," just to see if people will will continue with it. But so it's probably going to take another couple of weeks before they um, either deny it or don't deny
0: it. So
1: right. it's very annoying.
0: Well, it's so, easy to program a computer to just deny everything, but actually having people look at your case when you come back, it's, yeah, <laughs>
1: like, it requires. Yeah, I just got like a form letter saying it was delivered as addressed. It's like that's really not true.
0: Clearly, no, no. no
1: one looked into this. No one actually investigated it, except for the fact that I called the Postal Service before I put in um, for the insurance claim. And they were like, yeah, that's that's a legit claim, which is what irritated me even more. Because yeah. I knew it wasn't delivered as addressed. They knew it was delivered as not as addressed. And then the, you know, m- m- head part of the system. Um, anyway, I... Ugh. Uh and you know I'm usually the person who's like yeah the United States postal service they do pretty good work not anymore
0: well they mostly do though i mean again like you think about the magnitude of the task and yeah you know yeah. it sucks when something gets lost but most yeah. of the time it doesn't so yeah. i'm still a fan
1: for the most part i am i'm i'm just like i shipped like six different pens across the United States, and they were all pretty pricey. But the only, the one that got lost <laughs> was the one that was the most expensive, and the oh, one right. I think that the person was most looking forward to getting.
0: Yeah. So, well, and so did they offer any explanation for how this could even happen? Like, was the person who was delivering like dropping several packages at once and um, just? Accidentally had this one in the stack and scanned it, but didn't notice. So
1: what the guy told me is that sometimes what happens in the bitter cold is that the, um, glue that holds the labels onto things sometimes like unst- they like labels unstick themselves and mm. then they end up sticking to other packages. And so he thinks that maybe, you know, I got tossed into a container and then, um, you know, another label got slapped to it, but it doesn't really make sense because it was delivered the same day it was picked up. Right. And, and they still had to scan it for so, them to know it was delivered. Right. So he did scan it as, as delivered or he accidentally scanned it as delivered and just delivered it somewhere. So we have
0: three different postal workers that work our route and we have the scanner picked it up when he was scanning something else that yeah. actually didn't get dropped at that location. And now it's just
1: who knows where, um so we have we have three different postal workers that work our route. We have Hut Guy, who's a very attractive younger man. Um we have idiot and then we have Stoner. <laughs>
0: um and it was Idiot's Day. So I just wanna point out for the record that none of these are mutually exclusive to No. No, they
1: aren't. But so the reason that so Idiot is just he's he's just an idiot. Um, we've had, I've had a number of run-ins with idiot, um, delivering things to different addresses. Like he's delivered my mail to my neighbor's address. He's delivered my neighbor's mail to my address. He's just, he, he's the most, um, uh, he's useless. And, and then stoner is a townie. <laughs> and the reason we, that we call him stoner, we don't actually, I don't know what his name is. Christie does, but, um. He's from from the city, and a bunch of the people who are also townies. Are like, oh yeah, his nickname in high school was Stoner, so that is just stuck. <laughs> so, um, but idiot, um, yeah, he's just he's really horrible. He delivered one of my packages from Goulet Pens to, of all places, Walgreens. Interesting. So yeah, I got a call from Walgreens when they went to open the box and stock what was in it on the shelf and they realized this is pens and ink and they looked at the uh, pack sheet and the store manager called me like, hey, so I have your package here. It was delivered to us accidentally and we went to stock it. (laughs) We were surprised by the contents. It's like, well, at least it was pens and ink and not something, you know, embarrassing. Uh, so yeah so anyway that's those my, yeah, my issues that could
0: have been a lot worse
1: could have gone horribly wrong uh, so anyway those are my trials and tribulations with the United States Postal Service and uh, I'm hoping they just give me my money back because they effed up I'm very frustrated so um, going off of that I've been I've been listening to this podcast called Akimbo It is Seth Godin, who I have a love-hate relationship with, but akimbo is just, it's a really kind of, it's kind of like us, but it's one dude just talking into a microphone and specifically about marketing um, and the intersection of marketing and ideas. It's, 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 uh, anyway, it's interesting. It's a little uplifting um, thought experiment for me. Cool. Um, I'll check it out. Yeah. It's kind of a fun one. So anyway, are you ready for our main topic? Yeah, go into it. All right. So, uh, I've been doing a ton of pen reviews. I have bought at this point over a dozen inexpensive pens on eBay. And right now I have literally have a dozen pens inked and ready to go. Um, because I've been doing all of these reviews on them. I've also, so in addition to pens, I've also, um, been delving deep into the abyss of Amazon's inexpensive dot grid journals. And I've got a half dozen of those that I'm testing out for review. Some of them have been surprisingly good. Like I found, um, one by a company called art fan on Amazon that, uh, has been really good with fountain pen and pencil and just generally just a great journal. And right now they're on sale for like five bucks. I'll make sure I put a link in show notes, but um, yeah, so I've been, I've got all of this stash that I'm like bringing in and you know, I'm doing a lot of writing with things because I have to like my, my philosophy with reviews is that I have to use something for at least a week before i put up a review it's got to be used in a regular regular setting if you will like i take the pen and the notebook to work and i use it i'm a little more lenient with notebooks because you can usually get an idea by writing just a few pages in the back of it how it's going to work with fountain pens and pencils and whatnot uh, but like particularly with pens and ink. I want to know how it responds to crappy paper, good paper, how is it in my bullet journals, um how is it on field notes, how is it in a moleskin? So I test all of those things. But then I'm still left with a pen full of ink because it doesn't take a full fill of ink to right. to test. So I have been looking at ways I can use my pens and using up my, my rapidly accumulating stash. So I wanted to pick your brain about what you do, but my go-to lately is journaling. Like I am reflecting, like I've been listening to Akimbo, so I reflect on that. If I watch a TV show, I force myself to reflect on that. I've been doing, um, some reflecting on what it's like to live car-free for a while. So I, I I've talked about that on my other podcast This, um, the fact that we've gone car free both out of necessity and reality and as well as um um like philosophy it's something i've been wanting to do i figure if i'm living in an urban environment i might as well not use a car um, and use public transportation i posted a picture on my instagram i missed my bus literally like i was walking down the sidewalk (laughs) And I'm like, I should, I I should, I should be able to make it. And the bus was actually on time, which it never is, except for when I'm running late. And so I take the corner and just keep on going past the pickup points. (laughs) Right. So I went and got myself a macchiato and sat down and journaled. So, yeah, I just, um, so anyway, I've been doing a lot of journaling in an attempt to use up my stash. I've filled seventy two pages in my Leuchtturm term bullet journal. Um actually eighty two. I'm at I, I'm at page eighty two now.
0: Mm. Do so, you number the pages and everything?
1: Um the Leuchtturm term comes numbered, but I do oh, nice. I do number all of the pages um in all of my journals and pocket notebooks and things. It just helps me like it
0: it tells me where I am in the notebook. Oh no! You don't need to justify it to me. I I completely recognize that it's the intelligent thing to do. I'm not going to do it.
1: <laughs> but, <laughs> well, it's really just a neurotic thing
0: for me. Uh, yeah, that was one of the things I kind of had to let go because if it became part of what I needed to do to set up a notebook, it was going to keep me from setting up a notebook.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know. So we've talked about this before that kind of my. Um, my own adaptation of the pig Pog journal. Yeah. Uh, You know, like literally the most important aspect of it is that I can do it without, <laughs> you know, without having to feel like I have to commit time to set up first. Right. Uh, because if I can't just write something down in the moment that I needed to write it down, then I just never start.
1: Yeah. See, for me, numbering the pages is like this meditative exercise. And, yep, and I don't I completely always... completely acknowledge that as well. I don't always do it all at once either. I might do like 10, 15 pages. And then when I get to the end of that, do another 10 to 15. Right. Sometimes I'll sit down, and I'll do, you know... And I only do the odd pages, the odd numbers. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't do the even pages. That's all you really need. Yeah. Because I... I if I look at the odd page, then I can figure out the even pretty easily sometimes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I go through and I, I do that. And, um, but so anyway, I've been, I've just been journaling a lot. I've been just reflecting on a lot of things. And, you know, I'm going through this transition period and I don't do transition well. So using journaling to kind of process how I'm, how I'm thinking about things and, and, um, How things are going with like the transition into the new job and being car free and all of these other things has been more helpful than I really expected. And you know, I'm a therapist who teaches journaling as, (laughs) as something to help you process your feelings. Oh God. Yeah. And it's something that I harp on all the time. I tell all of my clients, you know, you should really start a journal. You should really start a journal. Have you tried journaling? Journaling is a fantastic way of helping you process your feelings. And yet here I am, you know, uh, just really, and it's something I've used in the past. Um, journaling has always been sort of a go-to for me and yet you know when I was um missed my bus and I was journaling about something that I had overheard people talking about I um I was like huh I'm surprised this helped as much as it did (laughs) Mm -hmm. um so yeah so anyway um do you do any commonplace books or anything like that?
0: What's a commonplace book?
1: Commonplace book is sort of like, it's a daily reflective journal where people, um, they put in quotes, they might like write a line or two about their day, but it's less emotional and at least in what I've looked at than, um, journaling is. So it's like, it might say, the weather today was bitterly cold with a lot of wind, um, but it was sunny. And, um, then it might have a quote that struck the person that day. Um, and they might also paste in a news newspaper article, um,
0: things like that. So I have in the past, um, you know, I've never really done it in any kind of committed way where I was actually responsible about writing something every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's part of how I've used my little planner notebooks, you know the with the weekly yeah. week at a glance kind of set up um they were actually i've been listening to a lot of 1857 yeah, the last yeah. couple weeks and um i don't remember which episode it was in but you know they were talking about the fact that the um the word notebooks standard memorandum book is actually kind of kind of cool for that because mm-hmm. literally the only thing that you would be able to write is a comment about the weather yeah. <laughs> Because the spaces are so tiny, you know?
1: Yeah. yeah. It is a dinky little puny book.
0: Yeah. And I I used those for a couple of years and I was fairly successful at using them. And then I just never got one ordered Hmm. um, because they started selling out pretty early. Um, So I haven't, I never got one ordered for 2018 and I didn't get around to it for 2019 either. Hmm. I actually do want to get back to that because it's such a nice little size just for, you know, kind of the same thing that I'm using for my, that I'm using the undated Baron Fig mm-hmm. planner for, except that it does have the whole year and the dates are already printed in it. So, you know, we've talked about this before that kind of the the strength of an undated planner is that you can use it any time, but the downside is you have to put dates in it. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you have to be looking at a calendar to put dates in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to stick the... uh the 2019, you know, the one page just here are which days of the week the dates fall on the whole year, mm-hmm. little calendar card from the field notes. Mm. Uh, I'm gonna stick that into my into my barren fig planner, and um, you know that'll make it a little bit easier for me to when I'm when I'm doing that thing of having to look ahead to what's the next what's going to be in the next notebook, if something comes up that I need to write, record the date, but I'm not, you know, that date isn't in my notebook, that I'll be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, so I have in the past, just sort of recorded some things that I wouldn't normally need to record in my planner, mm-hmm. like where we went for dinner, or, you know, that somebody's coming over. You know, I wouldn't usually... Like, I don't really need to have a note in my planner to tell me that my friends are coming over on Saturday night. But putting it there means that when I look back, I'll be like, oh, look at that. You know, and it's kind of just nice to see that looking back. Yeah. yeah. So it's, you know, that it's kind of approaching, I think, what you're saying, but I have not done it in an intentional kind of or in a, I mean, I guess it's intentional to say, I'm writing this down so that when I flip back to it, I'll go, oh, look at that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I haven't. Done it in a kind of immersive way. Mm. It's just been something that I, you know, I make little notes about when I think about it so that I'll have it to look back on. Yeah. And my journaling activity in terms of like talking about something that's happened in my day and processing it and having somebody to share it with has for 25 years really been filled by, you know, first emailing with friends and later, um, Interacting with close friends hmm. uh, through social media hmm. because I'm an academic and I've moved so much, and my friends have largely been academics and have moved. And so, you know, my best friends are kind of spread all over the place. Right. Yeah. And thanks to, you know, there was that article on how Facebook revived the epistolary friendship.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that has, that really resonated with me because. St- you know, some of my dearest, dearest friends, um, realistically I would be maybe still exchanging Christmas cards with if, you know, if not for social media, because it makes it so easy for us to actually stay in touch with each other and to have that kind of continuous ambient awareness of what's going on in each other's lives. Mm. And, um, you know, and I interact with these people daily and, I I'm so grateful to be able to do that.
1: Nice. So what else what are you what else do you do to use up your stash?
0: I have not been very successful. I have <laughs> lots of ideas about using up my stash. But um part of it one of the things that we've talked about before is um about the length of pencils. Hmm. And, you know, I know that there are people who just think that a brand new black wing is too long and it's kind of unwieldy. And until you've sharpened it four or five times, it's really not a good size. And I just want to say I love me a virgin black wing. I (laughs) love it. It's the perfect size. It feels so nice in my hand. And when they get about half gone, I'm just not even interested in picking them up anymore. Hmm. So I think I'm just going to like... I'm just gonna go with that, and I'm gonna use them up halfway and then leave them lying around in like I'll you know put them out as gifts into the universe, <laughs> you know, swap them out for something that is like vintage and interesting from a pencil jar in the library or something,
1: yeah,
0: um you know, and I've given away some stuff, and i you know i I need to figure out a um convenient what clean way to line up some boxes on a table in my office and start just throwing stuff in there Mm. to make packages to send to people instead of thinking about this as something that, Oh, I need to, if I'm going to send something to this person, I got to go look on the group in Facebook and see what they've commented on that they like. And, you know, sort of, Mm. because then again, you know, it never happens because it becomes this, this ideal task, which, you know, again, like we've talked a lot about, done is better than perfect and yeah. um i really enjoyed the 1857 episode episode on done not perfect you know okay. that was like yep there's all of this stuff in here you know it's not it's not that doing things half-assed is always the way to do it but sometimes if it's the difference between you know let's say doing it three-quarter assed and never getting it done at all mm. you know then- well I,
1: there's also the discussion of like you can never get perfect perfect isn't a reality.
0: So sometimes done is as perfect as it's going to get. Exactly. Yes. And, you know, it's not that done is better than perfect. It's that having it done at whatever kind of minimum competency level will accomplish the purpose is better than never having it done because you're waiting for it to be perfect. Ah. And so I think, you know, I think, again, people can kind of get hung up on that first impression that if you say done is better than perfect, you mean just do a half-assed job of it. And I don't think that's what most of us are saying. No, not at all. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's been a hard lesson for me to learn in my life to just get things finished. Mm. Oh, actually there is one way that I've been using up because I was saying, I've got all of these notebooks going right now. Mm -hmm. And this is partly because of a very satisfying, although not, unmixed development in my professional life, which is that um, because of the way that the university is rearranging budgets and stuff, I'm not teaching overloads this year. I don't know what that means. What does that mean? Well, it means that um, so, so far I've had most semesters, I've had two different courses with three different lecture meetings total on campus and an online class every Mm -hmm. semester. So I've been teaching a four, four. And as you know, I have large classes and, you know, and I'm still doing advising and I'm still serving on committees and I'm still, you know, like I have other things that I do as well. I'm in a non-research position. So it's just quote unquote, just, uh, teaching and service, but it's still, it's still a lot. And so the online course has been going into my you know, into my annual work plan as an overload for years. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, normally a hundred percent, um, a full-time teaching load for someone in my position would be three, three, not four, four. And I've been doing the four, four because it needed to be done Mm -hmm. and I enjoyed it. And, um, you know, kind of, there was no one else to do it and stuff. So all the, all the usual reasons. And so this year I'm not, Or this spring, I'm not teaching an overload. And um, Hmm. then next year, I'm also going to be.
1: They did leave, but I don't think they went very far because their car is still in the driveway. Um, All
0: right. Well, let's get recorded if we can.
1: Yeah, let's let's finish it up. So. um, All right. Let me put a timestamp. Well, I'm just make notes. All right, so Lenore, so you're not teaching overload. You have told me what overload
0: is. Yeah. <laughs> so since I'm not teaching an overload this spring and possibly also not next year fall and spring, depending on how things fall out, um, it's given me a chance to kind of start on some of the longer term things, Uh, you know, things that I've wanted to do for a long time, but there was just never time for it. It was kind of that, um, you know, the tyranny of the urgent, right? Mm -hmm. You never get to the important because you're always working on the urgent. Yes. And so normally this time of year, like I'm so much just trying to hang on that, that I don't have time to do the kinds of things that would be nice, but aren't absolutely required to, you know, get through at a minimum level today. Mm. And so, like the last few days, I've been, um, reaching out to students who weren't registered for the online homework system yet. And I've been, you know, kind of keeping an eye on, um, you know, on where, on whether people were completing assignments in the online homework system. And I've been following up with people who are repeating the course and saying, hey, what do you need to be successful in this course this year? Right. And, um, and I'm doing these two, faculty learning circles and I'm going to uh rewrite some of my course materials and re-record some of my course videos and I'm going to um uh put together a document of a like prerequisite flowchart for the chemistry major cuz mm-hmm. I'm advising um and so you know people come in and they need to do slightly non-standard things with their schedule mm-hmm. you know and I'm like well we've got to go through all of the prerequisites for all of these courses and make sure that by not taking this course this semester, you're not going to get screwed two years from now, you know, because you need a course that's either only offered in the fall or only offered in the spring. Um, and, and the prerequisite structure won't let you take it and you end up taking an an extra whole year, right? Which is easy to have happen when you're a science major. Mm -hmm. So that has actually, You know, I'm sitting here at my, at my desk and I've got, um, I've got four different, um, Baron Fig Vanguard flagships, um, you know, stacked up on the little shelf on my desk and two of them I'm using from both sides. Wow. You know, and so that is, um, you know, that's going to burn some materials, but, um, but yeah, I think I think a bigger thing I need to do is is um, sell a bunch of stuff and see if I can um, you know finance uh, finance my next vacation. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you know like work has been, I think, really integral to me using up some of my stash. So I'm right now I'm using a Baron fig confidant as my bullet my work bullet journal. And I've churned through in a month, 50 pages. So, you know, this, it's not going to take me long to churn through that if I am using that many pages as I'm learning this position. And I've also like, I've used, normally it takes me quite a while to go through a fill of ink, but I've had to refill several of these pens that I'm reviewing, um, so, because of
0: how you're using them,
1: yeah, because of how I'm using them, because of the fact that like I'm taking a dozen pens with me to work every day and i'm I'm picking one, and I'm just using that pen all day long right. as I work, and I'm writing down notes and i'm I'm like, um, the way that this is set up is educational, so we have semesters that are thirteen weeks long, which is kind of unique in terms of therapy, yeah, so."
0: Tell me more about that.
1: So it's a it's a sort of an educational type setup where um, clients go to groups that are set up as almost sort of classrooms. So some of the more we do a lot of psycho ed stuff. So you might have a course, if you will, that meets once a week for 13 weeks about bipolar or depression or anxiety or anxiety management skills or depression management skills or this is what mania looks like. This is what um bipolar depression can look like. This is what a mixed episode looks like. So there are things all about those. And then there are actual coping skills groups. So I'm doing a bunch of groups on mindfulness and meditation um, plus, uh, substance abuse. So recovery from substance abuse. Um, so we have all of those groups and some of them run continuously. So we have an AA group that runs continuously. We have a smart recovery that runs continuously and it sort of is outside of the semester system, but every 13 weeks we restart. So it's a whole new group of classes, um, or just groups um, so it's a lot like group therapy, but some of it is done on an individual basis, set up sort of like education.
0: So, that's I, really interesting. Is that, are there a lot of, does, is your practice mostly having people who are college educated who are into that kind of an approach? No. Um, I would say
1: probably like maybe. are college educated and the rest are either dropped out of high school, have finished high school, some college or, you know, just is it ranges. It's not necessarily like, um, people with college degrees. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's an interesting setup and it's kind of unique. Um, a partial hospital program does something similar, but most people are only there seven to fourteen days um but you do run educational groups. it's just not set up as a semester
0: right so that's really interesting. I bet I mean, I bet that is powerful in kind of getting people into the mindset of treating this as you know something that they need to educate themselves about. That's always
1: really interesting in terms other of, than just
0: reading Dr. Google,
1: yeah. <laughs> Well, it's, it's always really interesting how much it helps people to educate them about what their illness is. Cause a lot of people, you walk through the world and you don't know much about mental health at all. Maybe you go to some therapy because you've been told you have problems, or you go see a psychiatrist who prescribes you pills, but doesn't necessarily tell you what the pills are for. A good psychiatrist does, by the way. Um, but, you know, oftentimes you don't, you don't necessarily get educated about your illness. So the work is actually helping me churn through, particularly having a new job that I don't know anything about. Uh, or, you know, I know what I know, but I don't know a lot of stuff about this new position. Um, and, uh, if there's a lot more scheduling of things that are occurring with this new job. Like, I have to call collaterals, which are, you know, the, um, people that I work with. They're therapists, they're psychiatrists, they're caseworkers. Um, so I'm having to call all of those people and I'm finding like, I actually have to write down a list of the stuff that I have to do today. Right. So it is helping me to move through my stash. And I'm, um, I'm using five by seven cards as like scratch paper. Um oh, nice. And that's, but which is not part of my stash. That's part of the work stash. <clears throat> and it's just, um, that's been really useful. Um, but the actual so- company is everything is electronic. We do a like
0: five by seven. Are these like large size index cards? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh. They're the giant sized index cards. Interesting. Yeah. Cause the standard is three by five, right? Yeah. Cool. And I would actually prefer three by five, but um, work provides five by seven. So I'm like, well, mm-hmm. All
0: right.
1: Um, sure. So yeah. Um, anyway.
0: Oh, I have two little things to follow up on. Okay. This tea is delicious and I <laughs> love it. It's actually very much like. Um, my beloved Tazo sweet cinnamon spice except Mm. that it's got black tea in it so there's caffeine so that was green earth green earth it is uh it is I'm sorry good earth it's good and earth it's good earth sweet and spicy flavored herbal and black tea Hmm. natural sweet flavors and spice notes play mysteriously together (laughs) I don't find it mysterious, but it is delicious. (laughs) And the other thing is that apparently the standard standard memorandum notebook is still available at word for, for 2019. And, um, I actually, uh, I hadn't even tried to get in and buy one because before I had gotten around to it after my computer died last fall, um, they were saying on 1857 that it was sold out and um and stewart was you know talking about how american buyers were buying it you know like he buys all of these from word and has them shipped over the ocean Uh and then they run out on the u.s side and people start buying from him and he sends them back
1: yeah
0: i i I listened to that episode that was funny
1: and maybe that's just what has happened um
0: in the past, and yeah. maybe I wasn't paying enough attention, so um <laughs> so I actually went ahead and ordered myself one and i'm gonna I'm gonna play around with how it i'm gonna use a binder clip to put it together with my barren fig and see kind of what I fall into
1: so do you think we
0: have tapped this subject out <laughs> well, I mean. Never, but yes, we can always today. get tangential, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and I've I've got some some great notes um, about things I wanna like try looking forward, and I'm really enjoying your fountain pen reviews. Like that's oh, I'm me glad. living vicariously a little bit, but
1: yeah, I've um I've really been I don't usually enjoy doing pen reviews or fountain pen reviews all that much because I feel like how do I say this I feel like I spend a lot of money (laughs) to to buy something that I'm going to pick apart a little bit and what's really enjoyable about the majority of the pens that I've purchased is they're like three five dollars some of them have been yeah the the highest price one was 15.
0: You've set it up in such a way that it's going to be both uh less unreasonable to accomplish and more useful for a lot of people. And I'm really loving that.
1: Yeah. One one of the things I've actually um, worked through in my bullet journal quite a bit is sort of where I want to focus my efforts in terms of Comfortable Shoes Studio. And there's this idea of approachability that um, stationary items are a luxury item. Yeah. Um, and I think we could do an entire podcast about this, an entire episode. But, um, what I really want to accomplish is to say, you know, fountain pens aren't just a luxury item. There's something that are economical. They're also ecologically minded. Uh, if I'm yeah. not going. That's throwing- how I got started. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, when I first, first got into fountain pens, like 20 something years ago, it was because I wanted something to draw with that was less messy than a dip pen because I was coming home from these, um, in plein air, um, drawing sessions covered in India ink. My hands were just like <laughs> fingernails were black and it looked, uh, <laughs> it looked awful. Um, and so, you know, I bought a fountain pen and filled it up with India ink and used that to draw. And, but I didn't have the same line variation of a, as, as a dip pen. Um, what I did find was it was a lot cleaner and easier to use. So, you know, that was, and you know, again, it was the first fountain pen I filled with India ink was maybe a $10 pen that was no name. And, um, and then I, you know, bought a $20 vintage Pelican go and filled that with India ink.
0: Um, and see, I'm always wondering, this is part of what I've been enjoying about this is I'm always wondering how seriously to take the warnings in the, uh, in the shops, right? Because like my two favorite art stores both have signs up over the dip pen ink selections, you know, with mm-hmm. dire warnings: do not put these in your fountain pens; they will ruin them. Oh well. I'm like, okay, but how fast and how much will it ruin it? You know. So it will ruin them. Um.
1: So in the in the case of the first fountain fountain pen that I filled with India ink, um. I was able to disassemble and clean it and which um I'll talk a little bit more in a minute. Um but if you let the india ink dry in the pen it's pretty much kaput which I did okay. let happen with my pelican go and it did take a very very long time for it to dry out.
0: Um you know I Because as we've discussed before the, the um carbon is soluble in molten iron and not mm-hmm. much else.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, like I did, I was able to take my Pelican Go apart, scrub out the little chunks with a toothbrush, and then floss it with a piece of tin can. And, you know, it, to, it would function if I hadn't broken it in other ways. Um, and it did function for a long time after that. It was a lot of work. And so with some of the pens that I'm reviewing, one of the things I'm thinking about is, could you disassemble this and fill it full of India ink and use it as an art supply? And many of them are completely disassemblable. You can, uh, a lot of the Jin Haos have a um housing for the nib and feed, so you can unscrew it, and then the nib and feed pull out, and you can floss it and, and completely flush it. You can get into the pen itself and take it apart. The same for the Wing Sung's. They actually... um The piston comes off really, really easily. You can get in there with a Q-tip and completely scrub it clean. Um, So it's um, a lot of them you could. You could put India ink into and not really worry about it that much. And if you did forget about it and ruin the pen, it's a $2.70 pen. Are you going to be that upset about it? Not so much.
0: Which is the kind of information I need because if I'm like, I'm willing to put this into a preppy... If I'm going to get to use it, you know, for a while and then it'll die. Hmm. But like if it's going to clog within the first hour, then there's no point doing the experiment. And I don't want right. to so do yeah. that experiment and then feel like an idiot because they told me, you know, no, it's like having it. a wet paint
1: sign, you got to go touch it. So then the the other thing is the other kind of art ink that you wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest you ever put into a fountain pen are the acrylic inks. Because okay. if they dry too fast. They dry much more quickly and, um, they make a film that is going to be very, very hard to get out of the feed. So it's, and it's a plastic film. So then you would be taking your plastic or ebonite feed and putting it into, uh, rubbing alcohol to try right. and break down the acrylic bonds to remove okay. them. Um, yeah. so don't like, India or some of the like Dr. P. H. Martin's inks that aren't acrylic based, you could probably get away. And again, caveat, you, there's a good possibility you will ruin your fountain pens doing this. I am someone who, <laughs> if I get a $2.70 pen, I'm not going to get upset if I put India ink or pigment based inks into it. The other side of it is, is you can get platinum carbon black, which is a lovely pigment based ink that you can use with uh, watercolors. It doesn't lift too awfully much, depending on the pen and how wet it goes on. And it's a lovely deep black that responds quite a bit, like India ink once it's on the paper. It's great ink. Um, Platinum also has several other pigment-based inks. A lot of companies have come out with fountain pen-safe pigment-based inks. Although I am also someone who has a Platinum Preppy, that I have put platinum carbon black in and just refill it when it goes low. Um, and I've never had a problem with that pen clogging with the platinum carbon. And I've literally f- refilled it and refilled it and refilled it for probably going on five years. I've never flushed it. I've never cleaned it. I've never done anything to it other than, oh, look, this preppy's getting low.
0: I'm going to add more platinum carbon black. Right. Okay, so- good good that's such good so, information
1: so yeah go go ahead and use your pens as, as the tools they are meant to be buy some cheap fountain pens off of ebay read my reviews so you know if you can disassemble them or not um and and just use them use your tools thanks Les. <laughs> thanks for giving us permission <laughs> sometimes that people need that permission but Definitely. also know you might
0: you might ruin them <laughs> but be willing to like you know make decisions about letting that happen. Right. Right. Absolutely. Thanks. So I think we should wrap up. I agree. Um, that is
1: a good point to wrap on. I want to take a moment to thank everyone for their supportive words on the website and Facebook group. It's wonderful to get so much support from everyone. And on the, on the blog, on the Facebook group, the conversations are amazing. And so I just thank you so much for doing that. Um, so thank you for supporting us joining the group. If you have a chance and you haven't done so already, please give us a review on iTunes. And, um, that really helps people find us. And if you don't, if you've already left a review on iTunes, consider sharing a link to our show, on your favorite social media platform and help get the word out and get more people listening to our show you can find the podcast at rsvp stationary com. you can find me less at comfortable shoes com, at facebook at comfortable shoes studio instagram and twitter at original lc harper you can find d at dot com, facebook instagram and twitter at The Weekly Pencil. Lenore, you can find Lenore at Lenore Hoyt, underscore Hoyt, on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, at the Erasable and RSVP Stationery Podcast. Thanks for listening, and thank you, Lenore, for chatting with me today. I had a great time.
0: Thank you, Les.